there are so many young people on there between 15 and 30 who just desperately want to get help because they didn't know they were developing a porn addiction when it happened. And that's real important to me because I think that what I can do with my kids, what you can do with your kids or your future kids is we can develop a world where we know more about this. And I think we could cut our statistics in half just starting to tell kids about it, just starting to you know, let younger people know as they grow up that there's a way around this. You don't have to choose this. Or if you do choose this, people choose to drink, people choose to smoke. If you do choose to do this, let's at least let you know what the downfall is. Let's let you know that there can be some repercussions so you're at least looking out for them. A Sankarshan Joshi trip. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Sankarshan Joshi trip. This trip is going to be a memorable one because on this episode, we are accompanied by Joshua, who is a porn addiction expert, who is also an author of The Addiction No One Talks About. He's a porn addict. Now what? Porn and the pandemic. So, Joshua, thank you so much for taking our time and doing this. I am really honored to be talking to you. And I want to thank you so much for allowing me to come on your show. I know that the time difference between where I am here on the East Coast of the United States and where you are in India is not minor. So I very much appreciate you being willing to wake up so early for this. Uh, I mean, first of all, the honor is all mine. And I'm sorry for my puffy eyes <laughs> to all the viewers. So I wake up and the first thing that I talk about in the morning is pawn. So, <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's only uphill from here. <laughs> right. So I'll just give you a quick background about myself. So I've been hosting this podcast for over a year and porn is something that I've been trying to be vocal about and it's been a part of my life ever since I was 11 years old. So I have observed a lot of pattern in my own self and uh, the reason why I navigate towards porn. So every time I'm feeling low, I go there. So a lot of behaviors of mine has been associated to it. And uh, I mean, it's been like a decade that it's been a part of my life. So yeah. uh, I was curious, like what exactly about porn fascinated you to do whatever you do right now? Like what's been the inspiration? The inspiration ultimately was that I was a porn addict for 24 years. Um, and when I finally got into recovery, um, I wanted to learn more. Now, my background before I started to get into the uh, addictions field and mental health field, I was a journalist. I worked for various newspapers, various magazines. So my natural instinct is to do a lot of research. That's just who I am. And I'm the kind of guy who can go and I can read academic journals and read stuff that it's coming out of colleges and whatnot. And I like reading that stuff, but I know the average person doesn't. It would be like asking me to read Shakespeare. It's not going to happen. So 
when I went to my bookstore, keep in mind, I've been clean for almost eight years now. When I went back to my bookstore back when we had those uh, eight years ago, I saw books about addiction and I saw books about alcoholism, which was also uh, something that I struggled with. But there was nothing about sex or porn addiction. And I had met a lot of men and a lot of women in rehab with me who were very normal, average people like I considered myself, who were porn addicts. And back then, eight years ago, I think that there was even fewer people willing to talk about porn than there are these days. It was even more taboo than it is. And I just said to myself that, you know, I know the research because I can go and I can read this research and I can understand it and I can translate it. I can also take my own experience and mix that in and share that. So I decided to make good with the universe and try to, you know, uh, keep my karma in line. I, I would write a book that the average person could read that would teach the average person that number one, anybody can be a porn addict. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter man, woman, age, your color, your religion, anything like that. It doesn't matter. Everybody can be a porn addict. And number two, if you have any issues or if you are worried you have any issues, you at least go get them, uh, you go talk to somebody about them. And those were really the only two goals I had in the book. And I wrote that and I wrote that six years ago now, the first book, uh, The Addiction Nobody Will Talk About. And since then, it has just been this snowball going downhill that I have just been trying to stay in front of running as hard as I can. And as I was telling you before we started, I've been on TikTok now for six weeks total as at the time that we're filming this. And that has added a new wrinkle and radically changed things because there were just so many young, I didn't even, I didn't even truly realize how many young people truly needed help but what's making me feel very good inside is that, yeah, there are the trolls. Yeah, there are the people who turn a joke into everything. But there are so many young people on there between 15 and 30 who just desperately want to get help because they didn't know they were developing a porn addiction when it happened. And that's real important to me because I think that what I can do with my kids, what you can do with your kids or your future kids is we can develop a world where we know more about this. And I think we could cut our statistics in half just starting to tell kids about it, just starting to you know, let younger people know as they grow up that there's a way around this. You don't have to choose this. Or if you do choose this, people choose to drink, people choose to smoke. If you do choose to do this, let's at least let you know what the downfall is. Let's let you know that there can be some repercussions so you're at least looking out for them. You know, when I was becoming an alcoholic, I knew exactly what was happening because I learned about alcohol on TV and in school. My parents warned me about alcohol. I saw it in restaurants and everything. So I knew what I was getting into. Ironically, I didn't know that porn addiction was even a thing until I went into my first rehab center for my alcoholism. And it was a caseworker there who said, you, you, look at a lot of porn, don't you? And I was like, yeah, why? He's like, well, I think you've got porn addiction. I was like, well, that's not a thing. 
that, that, that sounds like a great addiction personally, but that's not a thing. Uh, and, uh, and, and this caseworker had me meet with a specialist off campus and it didn't take very long, but he convinced me and it, like I said, it wasn't hard. He convinced me that yes, porn addiction is an actual addiction. Yes, addiction is actually a disease based on what it does to your mind. And that my porn addiction predated even my alcoholism and it probably was more damaging to my myself my my personal sense of being to my family to my relationships to my attitudes than alcohol ever could have been so after i finished with that rehabilitation center i did go into a lot of therapy and i i actually went to another rehab center for porn and alcohol a little ways after because I knew I needed to do the deep trauma work to get through it because most people don't realize and it doesn't matter what your addiction is, if it's food or gambling or alcohol or drugs or sex, the addictive mind is a symptom of a bigger problem, almost always in the mind. And that's that bigger problem is almost always trauma. And when I was finally able to understand that, when I was able to go back with the help of experts and professionals and deal with the trauma, that's when I made my giant breakthroughs. And it wasn't just about stopping the uh, alcohol or stopping the porn. It was about changing my life, changing my mindset, changing the way I look at the world, changing the way I look at other people. It was a complete revamp. Moving and that's what was necessary. Lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And porn was one piece of an unhealthy mindset and an unhealthy lifestyle. It was a big piece. It was a piece that ruined a lot, but I had to get to that bottom line of the trauma that happened from abuse when I was a little kid that I never dealt with because most kids don't deal with that. They just, they just suppress it, especially back in 1980, 81, 82, when I was four or five years old, you know, mental health was not a thing. Only really, really, really crazy people who like wore their underwear on their head ever went and, you know, <laughs> saw anybody for mental health. Nobody would do that back, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, nobody was willing to do that. So uh, the world has changed so much for the better, but we still have so many hangups talking about pornography and we're not going to be able to talk about pornography addiction until we're able to talk about pornography as mature adults and Absolutely. not 12 year old boys laughing at a magazine seeing a naked girl for the Absolutely. first time isn't that crazy like we are in 21st century and we're still not talking about it and if you from america if you're seeing that and in a third world country like india a topic such as like porn or sex is still a taboo and the worst part is uh, a lot of people who start watching porn they start watching when they were when they're kids right and that's the age when the mind is at its peak in terms of curiosity and you don't even have your parents to talk to so you're exploring all by yourself and uh, the only people that you talk to are your friends and who couldn't right. be any more of a detriment because they, they they also don't know what the fuck they're doing and they have no clue and it's just uh another thing that 
uh, is adding to it is people have normalized watching porn to some extent you know like we all talk Absolutely. about porn casually the added and... the attitudes and taboos have dropped because if you can literally spell man woman sex you can watch man woman sex or man man sex or woman woman sex right. or man dog sex or woman horse <laughs> sex if you can if you can spell it you can watch it and that's different than the world i grew up in we had magazines we had videotapes it wasn't until i was 18 years old that i got my first email address and i was the first person i knew who had email most people didn't have email until i was 20 or 21 i just i i've always loved tech and uh so yeah, it was a different world. I can't imagine what my 11, 12, 13 year old self would have been like had I had the internet. I just, it almost scares me because that is just, we give every 10, 11 year old kid out there the greatest porn computer that's ever been invented with the iPhone or the Galaxy. And we say, okay, go to school. And it's like, you've just given them, forget building bombs or cryptocurrency or any of the other evil things you think you can find on the internet. You're giving them complete unending access to pornography. Uh, and, and we still are just learning what that does to young minds. Um, and thankfully your generation is figuring this out because mine didn't and the one younger than me didn't, but your generation is figuring this out and recognizing this stuff is messed up. And, but why wouldn't you have a softer look at it? You've got 2 million young people in this world on OnlyFans making <laughs> their own pornography. You know, it's making money. Think about, think about, Exactly. Well, think about this. When I was in school, let's say my high school, I'm in, I'm in 12th grade, I'm 17 years old. If the sexy cheerleader or if the super buff jock, if there was a picture of the two of them at the beach and she was in her little bikini and he's in his little swim trunks and their bodies are looking good. If somebody had a picture of that when I was in school, that would have been passed around like money everybody would have wanted to see it it would have been a scandal it would have been huge fast forward 25 30 years and here we are every 16 and 17 year old kid in school has an instagram and is pretty much expected to have pictures of themselves wearing next to nothing on the beach or just wearing next to nothing anyway and you can't tell me that going from in, in like i said it's 27 years since i got out of high school you can't tell me that the human lizard brain has evolved in 27 years to go from oh my god there's a picture of a girl in a bikini i go to school with to there are pictures of everybody i go to school with in bikinis and not just that half of them sent naked pictures to their boyfriends half of them sent naked pictures to their girlfriends those are floating around and those of those of them who've turned 18 can now legally do only fans of course you're going to to see all kinds of taboos and all kinds of standards dropped. I think that my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, they were very, 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 very conservative. I imagine it was even more so in India. Okay. And then my generation, my generation, things kind of started to change, but not really. It wasn't that big. But with my kids, with 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 the younger, with the you know people who are even younger. Um, 
I think that being raised in a world where sex is everywhere has kind of desensitized your generation and younger to it, but you're starting to see problems with pornography. You're starting to put together, hey, maybe this isn't healthy for me. You know, I'm sure the, when cigarettes were first invented, I'm sure there are people who were dropping dead all the time and people, you know, something may be up with these things we're smoking or when people were drinking and their livers were rotting out of their bodies. Maybe this isn't good for them. Well, we are now in a place in our history as humans where we are just learning what this high speed technological access to any porn we could ever want means. And if you want to be a guinea pig, that's fine, but you may end up being a statistic uh, because we just still don't know long term what the exposure is. Because I didn't have the kind of exposure that you could have had in my first 18 years. Sure, when I turned 18, 19, I jumped on the internet. And even though it was a dial up modem, it was still exciting to, it would take three minutes to get a photo, but it was still exciting <laughs> that I didn't have to go buy a magazine that didn't have to go through that embarrassment. And then as, as, the, as the modem speeds got faster, it got easier and pictures became short videos and short videos became long videos. And here we are today where 40% of internet searches have some kind of, you know, in, have some kind of pornography or sexual content um, involved. And okay. so we're probably swinging right now a little more liberal than we should. We were too conservative way back then. That was not healthy for our sexuality. You cannot repress everything. You can't just bury it and say, we're not going to talk about it. But I worry now that we're swinging too far in the other direction. And hopefully your generation or maybe even your kids can figure out that happy place somewhere in the middle that we do need to settle. Because I tell people, I am not anti-pornography. I am pro-healthy sexuality. And if you have the knowledge and you know what you're dealing with, I'm not going to tell you as an adult that you can or can't look at pornography. You need to make those decisions for yourself, but you need to make the decisions based on good information. And I figure that's my job in this world is to provide the good information and let people make decisions for themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, it makes so much sense, right? Because we have so much freedom and freedom has a cost. And yeah. though there is something about porn that is not physically detrimental, so it's not very obvious. So when you look at drunk right. people, you can see. When you look at someone who's addicted to cigarettes and smoking, you can literally see that affect their physical oh, you health. Can, you can smell it on them. Absolutely. But with porn, it's so internal that I could right. be addicted to it and not even my parents could have a damn clue about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The amount, I don't think that, uh, I mean, I, I lost many friends when I, when I, uh, when it came out that I was a porn addict, I was very well known in my community at that point. I was actually a local politician. I was oh. on my local city council. I was, I was the publisher of the largest uh, local magazine. Um, I was very, very well known in my town and after, and it's, a. Uh, you know, it's one of these things that something major happens to somebody who everybody knows and it's gossip, gossip, gossip. Uh, so I know a lot of people don't even know the truth, but I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of acquaintances because people made judgments. And again, this was eight years ago when, when not as much was known about this. And you heard porn addict and everybody would just go, oh, pervert. 
where they might be a little bit you know nicer about it now but i don't think ultimately people were turned off by the fact that i was a porn addict i think what bothered them was probably the fact that I hid it so well for so long. I think people felt betrayed by me that I mm. went, you know, and I, I raised money for good causes and I did things with my magazine that were great. And you, you know, you'd shake my hand and you couldn't tell that I was, you know, a porn addict because I wasn't a, I wasn't an active porn addict 24 seven. You can, you do it when you do it, you hide that stuff. Like you said, it's not like alcohol. Everybody knew that I was an alcoholic. Everybody knew it because I smelled and I slurred my words and I kind of, my mood changed horribly and it was, it was easy to hide. And in some ways I probably had an easier time hiding my porn because my alcohol was so obvious. If you're not looking for porn addiction, if you're seeing something else that's causing erratic behavior, you're never going to see the porn addiction. So you're absolutely right. It is, it's like video game addiction or gambling addiction. It's very easy to hide. These are what are known as process addictions. Um, whereas things like drugs, those are chemical addictions. The process addictions are absolutely, uh, absolutely tougher to just look at somebody and know what's going on. Right. Right. And uh, what is it about porn that is so addictive because out of all the things i personally feel that porn is like personally it has been very hard to get rid of because like i or like i mentioned at the start of the podcast it's been a part of my life since a decade and there is a sense of dopamine spike that comes when you think about porn or when you i mean even before you are watching porn there a is a trigger that drives you to the internet that like that literally it's like you're yes. a puppet and it's controlling you to watch it and since i know that there is a sense of excitement that comes with it so and now that i know that it makes me happy every time i'm low or i feel lonely i like even though i don't want to watch porn i sort of create this excitement for myself because i know that it makes me happy so right. it sort of becomes Absolutely. like an escape to a lot of people and then you, know? you can you can you can start to rationalize you can start to minimize and what becomes i'm going to sit down and look at tiktok or instagram well there's a girl in a bikini there's a guy in his short shorts whatever it is that does it for you and oh i want to see more of her pictures so i'll go onto her page oh look there are even sexier ones hey what's this click oh she has an only fans well let's see if do i want to go there well no but but i really want to see a naked girl so i'm going to go onto reddit or I'm going to go on to Pornhub or whatever else. And what starts, what we tell ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves, which are almost always false, is that I'm just going to go and look at this girl in her bikini, or I'm just going to see what this girl's Instagram page says. And then 30 minutes later, we're looking at hardcore pornography and can't even remember that girl. We, but that's the story you have to tell yourself to get there. And that's one of the most important things, especially with people who are looking to quit. I tell them that once you're there in front of the computer, probably masturbating, I'm not, I can't stop you and you can't stop you. You're there, you're going. It's like, it's like trying to stop, stop gravity. If I throw you off a building, the only thing that's stopping you is the earth. You've started. But what you have to look at is how did you get to that point? 
well, I can't throw you off the top of the building if you don't get to the top of the building. Right. I can't throw you off the top of the building if you don't go into the building. There's so much that leads up to you creating conditions where I can throw you off that you have to take some ownership of those. And what people will find is anywhere from 15 minutes to 15 hours in advance, you can start to see things. You may go into work and your boss is like, you are late again. What is wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, okay, F this. I don't want to deal with this. And you just, tonight when I get home, I am going to escape to my world of porn. And at the end, maybe you calm down over the day, but at the end of the day, the boss is like, and I want you here tomorrow on time. And you're just like, what a complete butthead. And you go home and it's like, uh, you have that stress you have the anxiety of going back tomorrow. You don't want to deal with this. Well, forget that. You know, let's just go and sit down and play some solitaire or play a game. And you're playing. Oh, look, there's an ad on the side of the page. And gee, they're using pretty girls and pretty guys to sell stuff because that's what they do. And oh, well, you know, I like girls in white bikinis. I like guys in black swim trunks with good pecs. I'd like to see more of this. So you, okay, well, you're stopped playing your game and you're starting to look at stuff and, and it escalates. And that's the thing is that so many people, when they stop and they look at their use, it's so easy to find patterns. It's so easy to find routine. You know, I can tell you, I, I mean, how long has it been? It's going to be at least 10, 12 years now that we haven't really been using dial-up modems, if not longer. And we're not even using fax machines anymore, pretty much. But if I'm someplace and I hear a fax machine, that sends me back to 23-year-old Josh sitting on my apartment couch by myself, waiting to use pornography. Just the I can I can I can sing that song more than I can sing most songs because that song's to that song to me the words are the porn is coming the porn is coming the porn is coming it's a reward system even before I've started and once I'm there you're not pulling me back from the edge but what I need what I would need to realize is hey maybe I shouldn't be sitting on the couch with my laptop Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe if I'm um, angry at my boss after work, maybe I should go jogging. Maybe I should go get dinner with a friend. Maybe I should set my alarm an hour earlier so I am better rested on at work at time. The solution to this problem is not sitting on my couch looking at people having sex and masturbating to it. That's pretty much, I can assure you that's not the solution um to any problem that you have and uh but it's easy it feels good it lets us escape and most porn addicts and i am absolutely like this as well most porn addicts uh they think about it as a coping thing they think about it as a stress relieving thing but what it actually does it causes a it causes you know it's not just dopamine we have six different chemicals oxytocin serotonin are two of the big ones that come out of uh out of pornography uh use but we are releasing chemicals that give us a sense of control that give us a sense of ease because when you think about it you sit down in front of pornography nobody on the screen is going to tell you you're going to be late to work nobody is going to tell you hey you didn't take the trash out today 
Nobody is going to tell you that, yay, you have to feed your dog and pick up their crap. Nobody is going to tell you any of that when you're looking at porn. And you can find the most beautiful people in the world and you can have them largely do whatever you want because the people on the screen, they can't say no either. And the thing is, these, these, these gods and goddesses that you're looking at on the screen, if they don't satisfy you, click, I can go look at another. Click, I can go look at another. I am in charge of this sexual you know, Valhalla that I am the overlord of, and people are here to do whatever I want. You know, white, black, Asian, Indian, smart, stupid, tall, short, blonde, brunette, whatever I want, there is, I'm going to find it out there on the internet. And you've got to be able to tell yourself those stories before you start using that, okay, I may feel better momentarily, but this doesn't actually solve any of my problems. This just gives me new problems. And you continue to use and use and use. You get to the point where I was with my alcohol and my pornography and my, I, I was a horrible husband. I was a horrible father. I wasn't paying attention to the kids. I was doing a poor job at work because my addictions took over. I had largely stopped taking care of myself. I probably weighed 40, 50 more pounds than I do now. I was probably showering every three or four days. It was not healthy. It was a bad, bad situation. But you're so locked into that situation, you don't really see it. And that's one of those things is that you see these some of these guys uh, on, on TikTok, on Instagram who you know, describe their porn use and then tell you that they're not an addict. And it's like, dude, you sound like you have addicted tendencies. And I have to promise you that addiction doesn't get better. It only gets worse unless you deal with it. Uh, addictions can switch. And when I, as you know, I'm a coach who helps guys with porn addiction. I always have to, as we're working, I always have to uh, make sure, okay, well, you're not playing more video games than usual, are you? You're not drinking more. You're not smoking more weed. You're not doing, you're not switching addictions, are right. you? Because right. that's not going to fix anything. Yes, maybe your girlfriend or wife will be happy you're not looking at porn anymore. That's a good thing there. But if you're sitting in front of the TV playing video games six hours a night, that's not going to make them happy either. And that's not going to be good for your brain. And what is true about the addict is that we have addict brains. We are wired to compulsion and we have to tackle that. So it's important just because you're moving away from one addiction uh, is to make sure that you're not just repeating that behavior with a different addiction. Right. It's just you're just compensating for that loophole. Like exactly. now that pawn is removed, you look for something else. Another thing that really struck a chord while you were talking was uh, re reward patterns, right? And uh, these reward patterns is something that you can predict. You know that when you go to pawn, it will uh, satisfy a certain things in you. So let's say working out, it even though it's beneficial to you. You don't, uh, there are some hardships that you have to go through, right? To achieve like a really good body. So the reward Absolutely. is not quick. So with pawn, unlike any other thing, the reward is quick. And what is it about people that makes them fall into these reward patterns? Well, 
with pornography, it's easy. And with pornography, much like uh, food, and if you, if you do the studying, you'll find people with eating disorders, whether it's too little, like anorexia or bulimia, or it's obesity and it's too much. People who have issues with food are very much like people who have issues with sexuality. And the, the way that I look at sex addiction, I kind of look at s sexual addiction as an umbrella, sort of like drug addiction as an umbrella. And under this umbrella, you have porn addiction, you have uh, sex addiction, intercourse addiction, and you have things like uh, exhibitionism or voyeurism, di different, different parts of it. While you want to cut whatever your one area is, like mine was pornography, while you want to excise that, while I want to move, remove pornography from my life, I can't remove all sexual behavior from my life because that would be unhealthy, much like the people who have to deal with eating disorders. It's, they can't just walk away. If, you're, if you use you know, cocaine or heroin or something like that, the goal is abstinence. The goal is never to touch the stuff again. But when it comes to sexuality, you need to develop a healthy sexuality. When it comes right. to food, you have to develop healthy food. So I think that we see so many, especially young people today, with food and sexuality issues because, number one, my generation wasn't taught very much about them. And we didn't share with our children and we didn't talk to our children about those things. I never sat down with my, my daughter's 22 years old. I never sat down with her and talked about eating disorders and what women on TV look like versus what real women look like. And until I got, you know, help for my uh, porn issues, I didn't sit down with my son and talk all about pornography with him because we just didn't do that. So if I'm not, I'm warning my kids about cigarettes, I'm warning my kids about alcohol and about drugs, but I'm not warning them about this other stuff. So when they're going through their course of life, if they find that, you know, pornography makes them feel great or video games or food or whatever it is, as you said earlier, it's so much easier for them to develop a problem in front of people who don't even see it happening as it's going on and they don't know what's happening while it's going on. So I think as far as like ease of ease of access, again, 4.8 billion smartphones in this world. That's not even talking about tablets or computers or every other device, your watch or every other device you can use to get on the internet. 4.8 billion smartphones out there. Um, we are just giving kids loaded weapons and saying, go for it. And if I'm going to put a gun on a table or I'm going to put a bazooka on a high shelf locked behind a cabinet where you can't get to it, yeah, the bazooka may do more damage, but if the gun is just sitting here, well, heck, you can grab that and that'll do the trick too, you know? And, and I think that's kind of a, a metaphor for some of these process addictions that a lot of young people are coming down with and dealing with is because it's just so easy to get to them. If your mom and dad, if you're a little kid and your mom and dad work after school and they determine at 10 or 11 that you don't need to have a babysitter anymore and you're at home for three, four hours by yourself in the afternoon after school before they come home, well, you can play video games the whole time. You can look at porn the whole time. You can do so many things that are not getting the bazooka or getting the hard drugs or getting the stuff that, you know, you are being warned about. You know, we do know, no, you can't find a person on earth 
who would start smoking tomorrow and not know that it's bad for them. Mm-hmm. We have made it very clear that smoking cigarettes is bad for you. Now, people still do it, and that's whatever their issues are, but you can't tell me they don't have the education. The problem is with pornography, we don't have the education out there. So we can't expect our youngest people to make good decisions because my generation isn't leading by example. And we're not teaching your generation because we still won't talk about this because porn is sex and naked people and those little weird things that kind of interest you that you don't want to admit. And, and all, of these, all of these things that come with sexuality and unfortunately on this earth, Over the last hundred years, I don't care if you come from America or you come from India or Nigeria or Russia or anywhere in between, this world has been a sexually conservative, sexually repressed place, really from probably about 2000, you know, 1900 to 2000, you are talking about a century of sexual repression, perhaps except for the 1920s, some of the 1960s. Otherwise than that, we, that was a conservative century for sex. And I think that there are a lot of indicators in the first 20 years of this century that's turning around. And if that's going to turn around, we need to change our attitudes and we need to talk about this a lot more with each other. And we need to have our kids understand what is healthy, what isn't healthy, what the rules are in their parents' house, what the rules are when they go out on their own. And if they are equipped with information they are going to make better choices. We're not going to get rid of porn addiction. Porn addiction has been around since you could find cave paintings. I mean, (laughs) look at, look at, look at India, the greatest uh, lovemaking guide that's ever been created in the history of mankind comes from super conservative India. If you guys created the bag of, uh, not the Bhagavad Gita, if you guys created the Kama Sutra so many, you know, centuries ago, you're going to tell me that, that this isn't something that's been around forever. Go to a museum and look at the pottery that's 2,000, 3,000 years old. You're going to see some X-rated stuff painted on the side of it. Sexuality is normal. Wondering what, whether you're gay or straight or bi or something else in between, um, it is absolutely normal to wonder about the bodies and to wonder about, you know, exploring the bodies of people that you're interested in. That doesn't make you weird. That doesn't make you perverted. That actually makes you pretty, pretty normal. But we've been raised in the last hundred years to not admit that out loud. You know, here in America, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably about the same in India, since we have so many porn statistics that are very similar. We're the number one consumers of it in the world. You guys are number two. Um, so we're, we're, the, we're the two biggest issues in the world. Um, men who are under 50 years old, uh, nearly 80% watch pornography at least once a month. Um, when wow. it comes to women, w- women, and this is the, this is the U S when it comes to women who are under 50 years old, nearly 60% look at pornography at least once a month. So most people under 50 are indeed looking at pornography. If you're 38 and you're looking at porn thinking, Oh my God, I should have grown out of this. No. It's actually quite normal. It's just that you don't know it's normal. You don't know it's common because we won't talk about it. And that's, 
really what I look at my mission as being is it, it, when it started, it was what could I have heard that would have turned me around, but I recognize that what I would have heard might not turn someone else. So I'm going to learn as much as I can. We're going to talk about this. And you and I have been talking now for 40 minutes or so, and we have not had a X-rated or R-rated or, or 18 restricted talk about anything that's on the pages, that's on the screen, that's in the videos. We haven't talked about that at all because we don't have to. You don't have to talk about what you see in pornography to talk about pornography. And I think that's the number one thing that most parents don't recognize. Um, whenever I do a presentation, whether it's to a college or a library, or I always get that one set of parents who says, well, we put filters on our kids' phones, so it's okay. <laughs> and it's like, I, it's like, it's like no, there are 4.8 billion phones out there, like I just mentioned. You lock down one of them amazing work you saved one phone your kid, your kid is gonna find to another school. way your kid your kid plays on the baseball team your kid has friends and they have phones too if you think that your child can grow up in a world where they won't see porn you are an idiot it isn't a matter of if your kid is going to see porn it's a matter of when and how prepared are they for that moment? Do you know what they're going to say? Do you know what they're going to do? Because if you don't, you didn't help anything. All you did was stick your head in the sand to try to feel better about yourself to avoid that difficult conversation with your kid that you don't want to have. And that's not good parenting. So don't lie to yourself about it. If you want to be good about this, sit down and have an honest to goodness, straight ahead conversation. I'm sorry in the 2020s that we have to have these conversations with our kids. They're not fun for the parents. They're not fun for the kids. But my father, who grew up in the 1950s, he tells me stories about being in school and them having air raid drills and they would have to hide under their desks. I don't know how a bomb is going, how a desk is going to protect you from a bomb, but that's a different story. But that's what those kids had to do in the 1950s. You go back, go back to the 1850s. People, if they wanted ice, sometimes would have to travel thousands of miles and they would go to these places and you know, rivers and lakes and cut giant slabs of ice. There were, there were places down in, in Africa and in Central America where ships would bring ice to them and it would only 10% of what was packed would arrive, but it was still a great amount. Can you, I mean, this ice industry was huge in the 1840s, 1850s. Right. And then refrigeration came along and changed everything and the world adapted. So, you know, the world isn't where you were when you were a kid. The world is constantly changing. You can either fight it or you can embrace it because yeah. I promise you, and this is not political at all. I promise you that progress always wins. It may be set back here and there, but progress always wins. And part of progress is technology and pornography has taken, you know, has, has kind of taken the mantle for leading a lot of new technologies, especially digital technologies. You as, you know, Joe Blow living in Canada or Mexico or Brazil or wherever you are, are not going to stop the porn monster in this world. 
your kid is going to be exposed to it. You are going to be exposed to it. So you might as well know what to expect. You might as well get, gather some knowledge so you can make better decisions. But the problem is everybody has become goddamn sensitive. Like you cannot talk about a topic. You cannot talk about science. You cannot talk about facts without being having a fear of being shut down, you know, like, right. When, how are you going to solve a problem if you're not even going to acknowledge it or if you're not even going to talk about it? And with this woke shit and the whole, like, the cancel culture going around, like, nobody want to talk about the actual problem. And I think that is one of the major obstacles that might be a hindrance to this prog- like to this entire process of getting rid of this monster, right? Like, the oh, first yeah. step... Was, is to talk about it, right? Like the first step is to talk about it. The second step is to reflect upon uh, like our behaviors and our patterns, right? Though uh, it, it it's so interesting when you mentioned about the reward patterns and the triggers, right? Like we came through that topic, like you so clearly mentioned about them. And I feel like not a lot of people are aware to realize their triggers and not a lot of right. people are aware of their reward patterns right like everybody has their own reward patterns and we as human beings are evolved to have reward patterns or else we won't evolve right like we would still we need incentive absolutely we need incentive yeah you're right and 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 i just i just wanted to add that you know you are you are so dead on accurate about this that people are scared to death when i wrote my first book and it came out a little more than four years ago now, I would have guessed four years later, nobody would have me on their podcast because there'd be a million people just like me. Like if I wanted to come on podcasts and talk about alcoholism, nobody would invite me. Nobody would talk because it's so common. And I mean, maybe I was just wishful thinking, but I have literally given more interviews about pornography addiction in the world in the last four years than anybody else. And I can tell you who I think is number two or who I think is number three. But beyond that, there's not many people talking about this the way I am. I thought more people would step up, but I think it is that cancel culture. I think it's being afraid of saying something wrong. And it's only, it's only the fact that I, it came out so publicly for me uh, here in my hometown and that I wrote a book about it that I've decided I need to own this. I need to be who I am. I need to own this. I'm going to talk about this. And we, we need to do more of that. And we need to, again, accept the fact that, you know what? I hate to break this to you, but your parents have had sex. And I know your parents have had sex because I'm looking at you. <laughs> and guess what? you're naked under those clothes. And so am I. And so is everybody. And if you lined up the next hundred women that you saw, whether they were tall, short, fat, thin, regardless of the color, whatever, you take the clothes off of all of them. You do that with a hundred men, tall, short, you know, big penis, small penis, whatever. You are, regardless of all the little differences, you're going to see a row of a hundred people, whether it's men or women, who mostly look the same. And yes, we may say this one is the definition of beauty according to our criteria today, but you go and 200 years ago, that was very different. 500 years ago, that was very different. And it's 
there, there really is almost nothing that is more common in this world than a naked body. It's how we come into this world. And there is nothing more common than sexuality because that's how we got here was the, was the act of procreation on our, on our biological parents' part. It's not, it, you know, we tend to put this stuff up on a pedestal. We put the pretty people on a pedestal. We put the freaky people who will do crazy things on OnlyFans up on a pedestal. And that's not a healthy society. We don't even know what's going to happen to these people on OnlyFans in five or 10 years when who knows what kind of mental baggage they're accumulating doing this. Maybe none, maybe a lot. We don't know. Yeah. We can't study it because yeah. it hasn't been around long enough. We are living in the absolute wild west here. You can go back and look in the early 1900s. Uh, I think it was around 1925. Don't quote me, but it was around then when Alcoholics Anonymous was created. And they have chapters all over the world. Every country has an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or, or a million of them. And we can talk about alcohol. It's normal. It makes sense. There's no there. There may be shame for the for the user, but we are okay with talking about alcohol addiction in this world. But that wasn't always the case. People who were alcoholics used to go off to sanitariums and 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 you know other hospitals where they thought they were defective. People who were alcoholics used to get shock treatment to try to oh, shock God. it out of them. And the thing is, even the medical community until the early 1970s here in America did not view alcoholism as a disease. That's how long it took 50 years after 50 years after Alcoholics Anonymous started the medical community finally recognized alcoholism as disease. Alcoholism has only been a disease, according to American psychiatrists or doctors, for about 50 years now. Now, obviously, it's been a disease since the first guy recognized, hey, if I let these grapes rot in the sun and then I drink the juice, wow, I feel different. <laughs> and you can't tell me it hasn't been around for thousands of years, but it's only been the last 50 years that we've been okay with it. And I know in 100 years, I will not be here. And I have no idea how people will be consuming pornography in 100 years but I figure the kind of stuff that I'm doing now, the fact that you're hosting a show like this, we can be the Mavericks. We can be the people very early on getting this out there. There are people listening to your show who are hearing concepts about pornography that go beyond, oh, look, big boobs, you know, that go way beyond that, that they've never thought about. And that's important. That's why I do so many of these shows. That's why I try to, I continue to write books. I mean, I love working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Coaching is my favorite thing because you can really help an individual where here I have to talk in generalities. Um, so I love the coaching, but I love the fact that I think we are at the beginning of a civilization that can talk about this stuff, but it needs people like you and I who are willing to have public conversations. Because let's be honest, you and I could be sitting on a, on a bench in a park having this same conversation. Thankfully, because of technology, we can have this conversation together and other people can listen well into the future. As long as this lives on the internet, they can listen to it long after we're gone. 
And, you know, we are going to be the pioneers in this area. So I, I try to tell people, you know, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be the world you want, uh, but we can make it better. And we're at the front lines and the early days of making it better. Or at least uh, try to make it to, better. We just have to we just have to keep pushing just like those you know bill w and dr bob who started you know aa the world changes when people want to help and the more people we can get to help with this the more sexually healthy our society will be and you can't convince me that a healthy sexual society is a bad society yeah yeah and uh, one more thing that i was really excited to get from you was A- anyone who's listening to this uh who watches porn and who wants to stop watching porn and get rid of it what suggestion do you have in terms of their actions like how do they go about things to get rid of watching porn well the first thing i would say is if you were asking yourself if you have a problem you do because you've probably never asked yourself say do i have an eating apples problem or say do i have a vacuuming problem no you don't because you would ask yourself that you don't <laughs> you're specifically asking yourself if you have a porn problem so you probably do or it's at least it if it's a problem in your mind it's a problem so my first advice is to talk to somebody who has been there if you want to go to a 12 step group like like sex addicts anonymous or sexaholics anonymous you can talk to sponsors you can hear other people's stories you can read you know there are more books about this stuff out there and you can just read about addiction in general because largely 95% of addiction is the same you know it's gambling addiction doesn't take place in your wallet and cocaine addiction doesn't take place in your nose and porn addiction doesn't take place between your legs it all takes place up here in your brain that's where all addiction lives so just learning about addiction can help as well uh talk to a coach talk to a therapist go online and join a forum there's a lot of different ways that you can get help but you need to talk to somebody who knows who's been there who has been successful who can show you the ropes who you can bounce things off of because I'll tell you the most powerful thing is when I have that first call with a porn addict whether it's a, a man or a woman it doesn't matter and probably only about 1 out of 5 of my clients are women compared to the men but when you're talking to them and you see and they recognize that you're not going to make them feel bad about their use you're not going to shame them you don't care what they watch hey you watch you know horses and and men do crazy things to each other that's that's you that's not me that was what was in the back of your head that's what you needed scratched no judgment let's figure out why you got this to this place because one of the most important things for somebody who needs help recognize that you may feel like you have extreme pornography habits but all you have to do is look at any addiction the person who's a gambling addict first they bet 20 on a hand then 100 then 500 or look at somebody who is an alcoholic you start with beer you move on to wine then you move on to the really hard stuff addiction escalates it always escalates when it comes to pornography yeah maybe you spend more time looking maybe you maybe you masturbate more often to it but what you often find is that the 
uh, content of what you're looking at becomes more extreme. Right. And you start to look at stuff, you start to look at stuff that you're not even interested in in real life. That would scare you in real life. But you know what? You've watched, you've watched a girl and a guy, and then you watch two girls and one guy, and two girls and two guys, and then four girls. And that, well, maybe I'll look at four guys. I wonder what that looks like. And it almost just becomes a curiosity thing where, oh my God, now, oh my, grown people in diapers. Wow, that's weird. Uh, but what's that look like? Or here's a, you know, a, a, a uh, transgendered person. Here is, you know, this or that. Here is people who don't look like me. Here are here are people having sex in public. Here are people going to the bathroom while they're doing it. And you stand, you stand back and you go, oh my God, I just watched somebody go to the bathroom on someone else. What is wrong with me? And they're like, nothing's wrong with you. You have an addiction, it escalates, and you are trying to get at those little chemicals up in your brain. And if looking at you know one man and one woman having sex was all you ever needed, that's all you would look at. But because of what we know about addiction, because we know how it has to escalate, no matter what the addiction, you will go into some strange areas and that will make you feel worse about yourself. It'll feel shame. You know, it's one thing to sit down and say, well, I looked at I looked at videos of men and women on a nude beach. Okay. Okay, well, I looked at videos of men and women wearing diapers and eating baby food and going to the bathroom on each other. Whoa, 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 what, what, what? Oh my, I understand not wanting to tell people about that, but (laughs) that's where you got. And I understand it being, it being shameful. That's not the kind of stuff you want to share with people. You can't share that with most people, but there are people like me out there. There are lots of books. There are lots of online communities. There are lots of support groups out there where people will not shame you, where people will not make you feel weird. And when I'm sitting across from somebody in my first session with them and they truly recognize, I, I, I don't care what they looked at because I'm sure I saw it along the way too. There's just this sense of relief. I had my first call today, 12 hours ago, was a guy who it was a first time call and he broke down crying halfway through. And he just said he he was 24. He had once mentioned to a friend when they were camping and he was drunk that he thought he had a porn problem, but he had never said it out loud to anybody else. And he started watching when he was 12 years old. So for 12 years, this poor guy has been carrying this shame, what he sees as a shameful secret, what he sees as because of society or his parents or whatever, he sees as a major weakness within him something that makes him less than the person he could be. And and he probably could be a healthier person without it, but it doesn't make him a bad person. It doesn't make him an evil person. It makes him an ill person. And ill people can get help. You just have to go to the people who know how to help the ill people. Now, with addiction, it's extra challenging because I can give you all the greatest information. I can give you all the greatest motivation but it's still on your shoulders and it's still up to you to do the hard work and do the heavy lifting. You know, if you break a leg, you go to the doctor once, he puts the cast on, you go back eight weeks later, he takes it off. The leg takes care of itself. Body heals on its own physically. It doesn't do that mentally. You need help. You need to, you need to move it in that direction. 
thankfully, we've learned so much about the mind in the last 30, 40 years that we're learning how to deal with addiction. And I am absolutely proof of that. I was a porn addict for 24 years. I was an alcoholic for 22 years. I'm coming up here uh, in the next several weeks on eight years of being clean. If I can get clean, trust me, anybody can get clean. And there's nothing special about you that you can't get clean. I know it feels impossible. Trust me, I know it feels impossible. But I, as much as I've seen every type of person who uh, become a porn addict, I've also seen every type of person get better. So you need to keep that in mind. Don't tell yourself stories that aren't true. The reason you got to the place you're at today is because you were telling yourself stories that aren't true. You can get help, find somebody who can help you, talk about it openly, and then you can create a strategy. Because what I did may not be what works for you, and what works for you may not be the next guy. So I think you need to be exposed to as many types of healing as possible, and then decide for yourself what's best. I did 12-step groups for about a year, and then I recognized that the people in those rooms were not working very much on trauma. All they were doing was focusing on not drinking, not having sex, not looking at porn, whatever their problem was, that's all they were focusing on, not how they got there. So after a year of learning the program, learning the, the, the tenants, all very valuable things, all important things, but my personality type is not as a follower. It's not as someone who doesn't ask questions. So the 12-step groups weren't perfect for me, but they might be perfect for you or the next guy or research or a therapist or coach or whatever it is. I mean, you and I are experiencing my recovery right now. I talk about this. I go out. I advocate. I, I let people know what's going on. This is not just for me to sell books. This is not just for me to get coaching clients. This is part of my active recovery. I am somebody who is a storyteller. I am somebody who I was working at newspapers at 17, 18 years old. I have spent most of my professional life, if not almost all of it, as a writer. So I can reach people this way and it helps me at the same time. You have to find your own way and, and somebody else's way may not be your way, but that doesn't mean you can't get better. You can always get better. Right, right. And also, personally, I've been trying to figure out a thing that works best for me too. Like, I've been trying to observe, like, my triggers. Like, what triggers me to go to go and watch porn. Like you said, right, like, for a few minutes back that even before you watch porn, like, few hours before you know, like, something start that will eventually yeah. lead you there, right? So, what was that trigger point? Like, that was... So, I've been trying to create a plan for myself based on me observing my own patterns and my own reward system. So, one of the things that helped me... Uh, or I, actually, two things that helped me is first, observing the triggers. Like, what is triggering me? Uh, yeah. Which might be a, a, a fetish or, like, anything that I watch from yeah. my previous pawn. Like, a glimpse of it that might uh, increase my dopamine level which might right. want me to watch it again so that, that's the first thing and the second thing that helped me is creating a growth mindset so where so my tendency was to watch porn at night so then what i created yeah. was uh, i do love fitness 
So I created a goal where I want to wake up early in the morning and I want to do a workout so which helps me throughout my day. So that helped me go to bed early and that sort of like stopped my craving to watch porn at night. So it, I sort of created a barrier uh in my pattern. So like this sort of helped me. So are there any more uh like tips that people could like keep them in handy? Uh, Absolutely. I'll, I'll I'll give you one that will help you figure out what the problem is because there are a lot of people who don't recognize it's not that they're addicted to pornography, they're addicted to masturbation. Mm. Or or they don't know what their triggers are with each one and this experiment will absolutely help so what i have told some of my clients in the past and i know therapeutically maybe this is out in left field but keep in mind i'm a coach i don't have the same rules as as their licensed therapist so i can try some more unique stuff um what i tell people is take the next 10 weeks to 2 days uh or two, 10 days to 2 weeks and you can look at pornography you can but you cannot masturbate you cannot touch yourself you cannot pleasure yourself whatsoever look all day long you want to you want to sit there in front of pornhub and you want to watch all day as long as you're not touching yourself i'm not going to say anything for the next 10 14 days conversely if you get the feeling that you want to masturbate you want to pleasure yourself go ahead but you can't use anything visual or if some people like to read like literature erotic literature you can't use that some people listen to music you can't do that no lighting candles no i know women sometimes set a big mood for themselves uh when, when they masturbate you know no doing any of that if you're going to masturbate it's going to be you and your hand i don't care if you're in your bed or in your shower but there will be no visual aids you will not be setting the mood let's say and also there is no just going from one oh i'm going to look at porn for 2 hours and then i'm going to wait 5 minutes and and, and go master no you have to give at least an hour or two between the two activities so whatever's in your mind kind of clears i promise you it's not going to take 10 to 14 days it's probably going to take 3 or 4 days and you are going to then say oh my goodness i was i was killing me how much i wanted to masturbate but i wasn't thinking about the porn or I looked at porn non-stop but once I recognized I couldn't masturbate it didn't bother me but I still wanted to see porn and you're going to find what is your brain telling you is your brain screaming for the porn is your brain screaming for the masturbation it might be screaming for both i mean there are people who are absolutely addicted to both but it's far less than you would think most of the time it's the pornography and it's about what the images do to your brain that people become addicted to and that's an interesting exercise because it shows you that your brain is trying to constantly talk to you and what you're doing is you're jarring your routine if you can mix up your routines mix up your habits mix up your ways of doing things you were always looking at porn at night well then maybe for the next 30 days if the sun is down you can't masturbate you want to masturbate all day long you want to look at porn all day long okay you can't do it at night i guarantee you changing that routine is going to help or changing that routine will be so impossible because your brain is screaming at you for those chemicals your brain is screaming at you that you're going to die if you don't get those chemicals that you can be oh okay my brain is fully expecting 
pornography at 10 p.m. And if it doesn't get it, it's like a two-year-old child throwing a fit. And eventually you just give in. As the tired parent, you just give in. As the tired guy late at night who's frustrated and just wants to see some porn and get his business done, you give in. And that's the problem is that you give in, you listen to those voices, you listen to your, your brain is screaming at you, trying to give you signals, trying to trigger you, trying to get you to go there. And while that's a tough thing, and it sucks to have that recognition that's there, that is data. And what I have found more than anything, if you can collect data around your usage, you can figure out how to break those chains. You can figure out how to get through it because you have your individual story. And I don't know what your story is. We can go through it and we can talk about it, but you're the one who knows your story. You're the one who knows what you're feeling. That's why I love, I love the term coach because I can't do it for you. I can tell you what I did. I can tell you what a lot of other people have done. I'm going to give you encouragement. I'm going to lift you up when you fall. I'm going to you know, put you on my shoulders when you have a victory. But it's not the coach that's standing at home plate with that baseball bat in his hand. Or it's not, you know, he's not there with the cricket uh, palette or whatever you call it. We don't play cricket here. But I know you guys do. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to show my worldliness. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we, uh, you know, it, the coach doesn't do it. The player does it. And the best, the thing I can try to be the best coach for somebody, but I always tell them at the beginning, the first thing I tell them in the first session is if you haven't decided that you are going to kick this, that you are going to be a warrior and that you are going to take this on and you are going to win. Because if you doubt that you're going to win, Hey, you may fall, you may fall down. You may relapse. Let's not hope. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But if you haven't decided you're going to beat this and you're going to be successful and you're going to win, I don't want to work with you because you're not going to be because you don't have the right mindset yet. You need to come into it with a winning mindset because people who don't come into trying to quit things with a winning mindset, go back to them. You see people who have tried to quit smoking 20 times. They don't want to quit smoking. They know it's good for them. They know that, you know, they'll live longer but they love the cigarette. They need what it does for them. They are not strong enough to get beyond it just yet. No, maybe they'll lose a spouse to smoking or a child to smoking, or they'll lose a lung and they can't smoke anymore. Maybe something major will happen and shock them. My grandmother was never going to quit smoking until she had a stroke on Christmas right after dinner in front of all of us about 15, 16 years ago. Oh, and she never smoked again after that, but she would not have quit on her own. She needed that big thing to happen. I want people before that big thing happens, like with me completely hitting rock bottom and, and losing my jobs and becoming publicly shamed. I want people to take care of their issues with pornography before they reach the place that I did. And that's why I'm out there yelling at whoever will talk to me. I, I'm here talking to people at, from every corner of the world. Uh, I, I love what I do. I don't know what it's like to be a preacher. I don't know what it's like to be called by God to do that stuff. But out of everything I've done in my life, going around and talking to especially younger people about pornography feels like why whoever the creator is 
put me on this earth. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it feels great. And I know I'm helping. I know that I'm being more of a giver than a taker. And it doesn't matter if you're an addict or not. These are all just really good rules to live by. So much of my recovery hasn't been about staying away from porn or staying away from alcohol. It's about consistently being the kind of man who shows up for others every day. It's about doing what I say I'm going to do, being where I say I'm going to be. I was, I was picking up some medication for my daughter at the pharmacy when I got your message. I was like, oh my God, I've got to be back there in 15 minutes. And I made it just fine. I was only five minutes away. But what got to me was my promise to you that I would be here at the right time. I might not fulfill it. And that gave me anxiety. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, pff, he can wait for me. I'm that important. He's going to be there when I get there, whether I'm five minutes late or 25 minutes late. He'll be there. He'll be there waiting because I'm important. And that is a horrible, horrible attitude. That doesn't necessarily have anything to do with addiction. It has to do with the fact that I was just a butthead and a horrible person to be around. <laughs> and I had a huge ego and I probably leaned into some narcissistic tendencies. My recovery helped me recognize all of that. Recovering is not just recovering from a drug or a behavior. It's about recovering your entire self. And it's amazing when you take the the addiction and you take the core reason of the addiction which is almost always trauma almost always trauma from uh, abuse whether you recognized it happened or not you will eventually um, if you don't remember it that's fine but with porn addiction especially it's almost always some kind of trauma something happened and it doesn't have to be huge a pretty girl at school could have told you that you were stupid one day in fifth grade and that day you went home and you just happened to see a, a, some porn and you this makes me feel better i felt bad this makes me feel better your trauma was a kid making fun of you one day but if we can figure that out and we can go back there and we can talk about why she said that and what did eight-year-old you think and do you believe this now? And did you grow up thinking this? If we can examine the emotions that came out of this trauma, well, it's a lot like having a bandage. Addiction is a big wound on your arm. Or I'm sorry, trauma is a big wound on your arm. And then you find the bandage of addiction and you wrap it up. When you're wearing your bandage, nobody can see the wound, but it's still there. And not only is it still there, it's not getting better. You're just hiding it. And that's what the alcohol does. That's what the sex does. That's what the gambling does. That's why we become addicts because we are trying to hide the wound. The Yet it's not until you, yes, it's not until you take the bandage off and actually work on the wound that you're going to heal. And what's amazing is when you heal the wound and it comes time to need the Band-Aid, your mind doesn't need it nearly as much. There are still cravings and you still have to fight them. I mean, it's, it's routine, it's addiction. There's nothing, there's nothing uh, strange about that. But I can tell you based on myself and based on so many people I've worked with, friends who I've gone through some of these programs with, that once you deal with the trauma, you don't need the bandages anymore. It just makes sense when you think about it almost mathematically. Right. You don't put a bandage where you don't have a wound. <laughs> and if you fix the wound, you don't need the bandage. That's how when people are like, how do you quit? How do you quit porn? How do I not look? And it's like, well, if you really don't want to look, close your eyes. It's pretty easy. 
That's not the problem. The problem <laughs> is why you became an addict in the first place. I can tell you all kinds of ways to not look at porn. Burn it. Unplug the computer. Really easy things that are not going to help you at all because you've got to go back upstairs. You've got to go back into your brain. You've got to go back and find out what caused the trauma. What kind of abuse did you get? And yeah, it could be one-time abuse from a friend of yours in school that was verbal. It doesn't have to be, you know, somebody taking you behind a building and, and molesting you. If you get that wound in your mind that, that causes trauma to grow, you're going to have to go back and deal with it. Um, and it doesn't make it disappear. I always tell people, we're going to work on your unresolved trauma. And once we do, it only becomes resolved trauma. It's still there. It's always going to be there. My stories of, of, of being you know, sexually abused and being mentally abused by a babysitter when I was a child, well, all of that stuff still happened. I just understand it more. I understand it wasn't my fault. I understand why it happened to the people who did it and what their motivations were. I know what happened to these people after I left them. I know what happened to me and I know that I dealt with it all and I'm in a much better place now. I can't change all of those stories. I can't change all of those things that happened, but I came to understand them and I came to peace with them. And I'll tell you, I mean, this is this it, in some ways, this is funny. In some ways, this just shows the world we're living in. Since I've got on TikTok and since I've become viral a couple of times, uh, I get trolled with so much pornography. If you looked at my inbox, uh, uh, a couple of my different inboxes, I get so much porn to my inboxes. Holy but you shit. know what? But you know what? Porn is porn. It's naked people doing naked people things, and you can click on the X and move on. I had to, I had to actually, the first time I actually got on a porn site in years was when I was writing my third book. I needed to know some statistics from Pornhub in different categories. And I thought to myself, should I ask my wife to go online and do this for me? Um, it's just numbers. And obviously I'm not going to sit there and start using, but should, would it be safer? And I was like, no, I was like, you know what? No, no, be a big boy, go get these numbers. And I went on there and I got the numbers. And yes, I saw the I saw the thumbnails of all the different people. They didn't look happy. And, and it makes me think that maybe when I was using 10 years ago, they didn't look happy then either. And it just looked sad and depressing and depraved. And there was nothing, and I'm not judging anybody who uses, but to me, the people I saw just did not look healthy. And it didn't make me want to use it. It didn't make me want to masturbate. It didn't make me want to get back into it. I got the numbers I needed. I walked away. And I thank God that I had the strength to do that. I probably wouldn't have had the strength to walk away a year into recovery or two years into recovery. But when I wrote that book a year and a half ago, when I was working on it, I tested myself and, and I passed. And it shows that, you know, you can see pornography, but really pornography, part of pornography is a state of mind. You know, is, is the Victoria's Secret catalog of women in lingerie, is that pornography? Well, to me, it's not because women in, in lingerie have never done anything for me, never been interested in that. I, we, we get the Victoria's Secret catalogs in the mail because of my daughter, because of my wife. That's junk mail. I hate it. It clogs up my house. But when I was in rehab, I met a man who 
nudity didn't do it for him. Seeing sex didn't do it for him. The only thing that did it for him was Victoria's Secret models in lingerie. <laughs> so you tell me, is that, we, we all know triple X stuff, pornography, obviously, but is the Victoria's Secret catalog pornography? I would say a lot of pornography is about the intent. It's about the end user. I can literally give you a, you know, any sports magazine or any woman's magazine, and you can find things in there that you will find attractive that you could use as pornography. Does that make it a pornographic magazine? Only if you're using it for pornographic purposes. Subjective. And while there are those, yeah, those magazines do exist specifically for porn. You can't tell me right. Pornhub or OnlyFans exists for anything other than showing <laughs> naked people doing naked stuff. That's why they're out there. However, if you go to the National Geographic website or you go, you take a course in human anatomy or biology, you're going to see naked people, but it's not in a sexual way. It's not meant to get you going. It's just what it is. And you can still use that if you want as pornography or not. Now the use, the makers of it didn't intend it that way, but it's up to again, the end user. And that's why we have to take a lot of the responsibility for ourselves here. I understand more than anybody that with a brain disease, especially when it gets really critical, your cause and effect and your understanding of consequences does get skewed. Mine absolutely did. Right. But all along that road there, I knew what was going on. I knew I was making bad decisions. I knew I wasn't being my healthiest, best self, but I couldn't because I had this you know, giant weight around me of alcohol and pornography. And it wasn't until I lost my job. It wasn't until my family said, you need to go take care of this drinking immediately, or there are going to be some problems that there was a, there was a change. I needed that to be my change. Um, and everybody is different. And that's, you know, that's what I can say is in a very long answer, talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and understand that you are going to blaze your own path and only you can. Right. All the trolls who are trying to troll you on TikTok, deep down, even they know that they need the information that you're putting out there. I am glad that you exist in this world. I, I had so much fun and such a learning experience talking to you. You know what? We need you in this world and more of what you put out in this world. And uh, I am so flattered. I'm so happy that we did this episode. And uh, all the listeners who are listening to this and who have come to this point, I know for a matter of fact that in there is so much wisdom in you that they're going to take home today. And you hit it out of the ballpark and I couldn't have asked for a better guest to talk about this topic. So thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for being brave enough to talk about this. I, I've got to tell you that I, I, like I've said, I do lots of podcasts all over the world. There is something about the youth of India that makes me very, very optimistic. I don't know what it is, but I have been doing a lot of podcasts in India and in Nigeria lately. And the youth of Nigeria and the youth of India, you guys impress the hell out of me. I, <laughs> I, whatever, whatever is in your water, whatever is in your hearts and in your spirit, I, I wish you could 
package it and send some over to the young people over here. We got a lot of great ones, but we got a lot <laughs> who just don't care and are too apathetic. But the people I've been meeting, the young Indian folks, the young Nigerian folks, I feel good about the future because you are talking about this stuff. You are taking it head on. You want your world to be a better place. So I want to give you a lot of credit. And I want to say thank you for all the nice things that you said about me. I never thought I'd end up here ever, <laughs> but, but it's a good place to be. And I, I like my life and uh, I get to meet cool guys like you. So thank you so much for having me on. And if you ever want me on again sometime in the future, just let me know and we'll do this again. I am I am so happy that you said and thank you for saying whatever you said for some weird reason I am so uh, I take honor that I come from this land and thank you for pointing that out uh, oh man you you're such a like a pack of positivity I must say like that you're so vibrant you're so positive there's so much wisdom in you and I would love to talk to you again and I hope that we do uh, this again sometime in the future and thank you once again. You know how to find me and, and I look <laughs> forward to it. So yes. thank you so much. Yes, I'm going to link, uh, I'm going to put all the links to you in the description and people can, uh, uh, like, I will also link uh, to your appointments and if, 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 if people want a direct counseling from right. you, I hugely recommend that people directly connect with you and they can book a slot and uh, get a direct counseling session so absolutely just let me know that you heard me from this show you'll get a free 45 minute session and uh we will uh you know and, and if you want to keep working with me you know we'll talk about price after that but if you just want to talk about this it's almost like your very own podcast you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy i'm happy to talk to anybody for 45 minutes about this and uh, if you need more help after, fantastic. If you don't, that's fine too. Uh, I, I just want to be out there and I just want to be trying to help people. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored. <laughs>